I am Alon Ben-Mir and welcome to another episode of On the Issues. My guest today is Atran Harachia, an investigative journalist from Kosovo. In his reporting, he has covered organized crime, corruption, radical religious groups, and European integration in the Balkans. In this episode, we discuss radicalization in Kosovo, the increased religious influence from Turkey and Saudi Arabia, the lack of protection of journalists, corruption, and what hope the people of Kosovo can have toward their future. So anyway, uh, thank you again for coming, taking the time, you know. Thank you very much uh, for the invitation. And, and um, I know you that you've been uh, writing extensively on radicalization, on the role of religion, specifically in Kosovo and elsewhere, the influence of Saudi Arabia, Turkey, in connection with the um, with their effort to influence, penetrate the Kosovo's, Kosovo, and um, and entrench themselves religiously in these communities. What's your take? Where is this going from at, at this point? Where do you think Kosovo stand? And regarding the, this influence coming both from Saudi Arabia and Turkey simultaneously? Well, unfortunately, to me, to my opinion, the damage has already been done. Because um, when the war ended in Kosovo in 1999, we were so hopeful. We were this, you know, predominantly very young population that was so eager to go forward, to move forward with the economy with the right to travel freely without visas and all this and that. And then all of a sudden we have a complete change on the vocabulary of the way we discuss things. All of a sudden, those that we didn't really pay attention or we never paid attention to, the words of imams, and the worst part is the words of very radical imams, those with some very radical views on issues in, uh, of life in general, not only political or religious, um, became the new norm. But but then but then what precipitated this change? I mean, it's you're saying because you said all of a sudden was it really a sudden, or was it a process uh, where that because this the change that you're talking about is obviously uh, did it comes from within, or it's coming from without? That is specifically Saudi Arabia and Turkey. Well, it didn't come from within because Kosovo is a very small, unimportant country. Yeah. So whoever had any plan to transform the society into a more religious, more radical society wouldn't be able to do this without help and support from abroad. Uh, it is. It happens not very quickly. I know I said all of a sudden. It wasn't all of a sudden. All of a sudden we were faced with a danger because we ignored it. We thought this is not possible to happen to our society. Now, what led towards this? It led, um, it led you know, this, uh, the cause for this is the very corrupt political elite that we have. Those who really did not care what is going on in the country because all they cared was just to remain in power for eternity, make a ton of money illegally, and not care what is going on in the country. So the, basically they were open to the influence being exerted by say let's say Turkey at this point yeah. by in Turkey coming there investing building mosques and all of that yeah. and given that the government is corrupt yeah. pretty much they opened the door yeah we were uh, we were a public house where people can okay. come in and go out the way they want it and throughout this period now when when you you live there 
and you wrote about it. But throughout this period, wasn't there any kind of public uh, uh, outcry? Uh, not this, not, not, I'm not suggesting an outrage, but certainly an outcry of sort. Why are we choosing this path? Why are we going this path? What happened to the public? Was there a public consensus that this okay? No, uh, it's not a consensus. You know, um, I believe you know this very well. The predominantly Muslim Kosovo Albanian society is probably one of the most pro-American, pro-Western yeah, yeah. uh, population in the world. Uh, so many, you know, uh, researches that have been done always on the top of the list were Albanians, not only from Kosovo but generally speaking in the Balkans that had views that are very positive towards United States and America. So there was some outcry, but once they were faced with the danger of what could happen to you, you know, the intimidation, the threats, and seeing that the state authorities, seeing that the authority, the rule of law authority, the courts, the police, they do nothing against those who threaten you. Let's say we were a, a, a group of three, four journalists, the most, mm -hmm. who extensively wrote about it. I'm, I come from a Muslim family. Now, certainly you understand that it really wasn't easy for me to be born and raised in a Muslim. I'm an atheist now, but I was born and raised as a Muslim to go on national television and speak and say this particular imam is doing this and this and that. This imam is receiving funds from first he went to Saudi Arabia, studied, absorbed that very extreme way of interpret interpretation of Islam and Quran, came back with those very radical views, either because he truly believes them or because he sees profit. Because, you know, the Saudis, they have a ton of money. They can give money a lot, as much as they want, and it doesn't really cost them anything. Uh, especially for such a small country as Kosovo. So let's talk about this. Let's put a stop to this. And when the backlash comes, when, you know, you have... In one day, I would receive up to 500 messages saying that you need to be... You deserve to be decapitated. ISIS is right when they, you know, chop their head off a journalist because you put your nose when you're not supposed to, and etc. and etc. And you know that your your mother, your father are seeing this. You know that there is... Uh, retaliation against you in you know generally from this and then when you go and you seek support from the authorities you go to the police usually the first reaction is why are you writing why do you have to be so loud about this why do you have to do this they were people who actually were caught by the Kosovo police because then you go to the prosecutors you say you know I'm not receiving the support and help and protection that I'm supposed to get as a journalist in, in, in my country, what about you? And then I find out that one of those people that threatened me, although was identified and caught by the Kosovo police, he was released um, less than 24 hours later, even though as far as but I he know... he was a Muslim Kosovo, no? Yeah. He was a, yes. He, yes. He was a Kosovo uh, Listen, the, not, the not... threats, uh, Albanians are a population that due to political you know, problems that we had throughout our history, are spread around the world a lot. And you cannot believe the number of threats that I received from the Albanian community in Germany, in uh, Belgium, in Austria, even in Northern European countries like Sweden. Um, uh, just a look at my Facebook messages or text messages or any way that I receive these threats, you see that the map is really, really big. <laughs> considering from where these threats yeah. came from. Yeah, but let, let me just ask you this. You know, the Kosovo obviously value its independence greatly. Yeah. I mean, this is something that is uh, anyone, any time we speak, I spoke to any 
cause of war be that officials or the yeah. individuals for them cause of our independence is so important so so uh, something that they cherish yeah and um, notwithstanding the conflict with Serbia and all of that and now it seems to me they are pretty much open um, having open arms to receive Turkey to allow for Turkish investment not only in mosques but in other major national projects mm. uh, and probably they are excused for themselves they don't have to excuse themselves to anyone but for themselves is we need this investment we need this money uh, but they're certainly aware that this these investments come with strings attached. Yeah, they simply uh, that's uh, the reason why they happened. Yeah, there's a strings attached. Yeah. The strings attached to these investments. But then, what do the what does the Kosovo government expect to happen if this trend continues? They just don't care. You know, we have a prime minister now. Um, we have a government made of a coalition <clears throat> uh, pardon, f- that is made from former uh, war commanders, like these people at the top of the Kosovo Liberation Army, yeah. <clears throat> people that were initially not educated enough to seek, uh, you know, public office, like a, a job at the public administration or become leaders of the country. They basically forced themselves into this. And once they, we have a party that has been in power, the Kosovo Democratic Party, for, from the current president, Hashim Tachi, they've been in power for more than 10 years. Now, this usually doesn't really happen unless uh, they've, done, they've done something really wrong. They have put their claws into uh, the power in Kosovo, and they're not letting it go. And you have one scandal after the other happening. You have members of the government that have been indicted by those very few to some extent, courageous Kosovo prosecutors or sometimes even international prosecutors. But because this is a very small country and because they control each and every element of the society, they control, generally speaking, all the rule of law institutions, they control the police, they control some of the media, they control the way life operates in in the country, nothing happens to them. So all they care is how to keep this thing going on for as long as possible. Because if they let go, if they tolerate prosecution to work properly, and then the judges and the Kosovo police, they know the first people that should be investigated and very soon indicted and sentenced for a vast, like a long list of crimes that they've committed along the way all these years, they are the first one that should be on the top of that list. So they don't care. They are, um, we, in 1999, we got this historical chance to build our own country. Yes, it took eight years being a UN protectorate when the world was still saying, let's wait and see how this goes. Let's have negotiations with Serbia and stuff. But generally speaking, we were free to build our own country into a proper functioning democracy. But, you know, the, the, I'm puzzled about uh, There's no, no question. I mean, because historically, you have to look at things in Kosovo from a historical perspective. In historical perspective, Kosovo was part of the Ottoman Empire. Mm. So there's a sort of, let's call it a natural link of sort. Islamic State, indoctrinated by the Ottoman at the time, ruled by the Ottoman Empire for 600 years, maybe. 500 and 500 some years. And so there's that natural link. Well, it's just a fact. I mean, when you... When a when a uh, an empire dominates a certain country for five hundred years, 
you cannot simply erase that influence overnight. It just won't happen. Historically speaking, this simply doesn't happen. That's true. But that's the argument they try to use to portray friendly relationships. No, no. And I, I know, of course, it's an argument to be used. What I'm saying, however, there is that fact to be reckoned with, to be dealing with. I'm not justifying under yeah. any circumstances what Erdogan is doing now and uh, what he's planning to do even in the future as far as Kosovo is concerned. What I am saying is that there was a, a sort of historic natural opening. Uh, if, I, if you were to ask me who is going to eventually prevail as far as foreign powers, Saudi Arabia or Turkey, when it comes to Kosovo, who would have eventually the upper hand? I think it's going to be Turkey, not rather than Saudi Arabia. For that very reason, because of the historical, from a historical perspective. Yes. But that, that again, I'm not excusing either Saudi Arabia or Turkey, because in the final analysis, it's going to, you know, it's in the hand of the Kosovo government and the people, and presumably there is an election. Uh, how free the elections are in Kosovo? Um, they unfair. They were is. they were mostly unfair. Everybody knows that there is um, uh, a long list of problems that usually uh, uh, characterizes general elections in the country because that's the way that leads to getting the power and stuff like that. They were some improvements after a lot of pressure from the outside world, but we still have this very big problem of dead people all of a sudden finding ways how to vote in our elections because the list of voters have never been properly uh, reformed to a point when you remove everyone that passed away mm -hmm. or that gave up on the citizenship and is not in the country anyway. Um, and this is done deliberately in order to control better the results. There were times, uh, and I think it was one of the previous U.S. ambassadors in our country, Chris Dell, that saw with his own eyes, he was part of the monitoring team helping the Kosovo Authority to monitor um, uh, the process of the general elections and he saw he was present and in front of him they were counting the votes from one of the ballots and it turned out that the PDK, the party that I mentioned earlier from the current president, won 112% of the votes, which means that they stuffed the ballots with so much votes in order to raise the number, the percentage that the party in power won. But to go back to the point that you were trying to make, the difference between Saudi Arabia and Turkey and who will have the upper hand. There is a massive difference even between the two and the influence that comes uh, Well, in of Kosovo. course, there is a difference. But I mean... It, Compared to Kosovo, I mean. Yeah, Kosovo, yeah. They, because they are, they are both, both of them trying to promote their brand of Islam as they see it. Erdogan, main, main rival when it comes to spread of Islam and the Islam, Sunni Islamic leadership. Erdogan is competing with, obviously, with Saudi Arabia yeah. who feel that it has the right, the custodianship of Sunni Islam. Mm. And so his main rival is the, the Saudis. And so he's stopping short of nothing, as far as I know, to try to influence even just in Saudi, not in, only in the Balkans, but he's going all throughout the Middle East as well. He's, you have presence of, in Jerusalem, in, 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 in Jordan, certainly in Qatar, in the Red Sea, and other, many different places. Um, not to speak of the rest of the Balkan state. So he is all over because, yeah. he, he, like I've been saying this time and again, you know, there is 
His ambition is to revive elements, strong element of the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. That's what he what he wants to do, because that's the way of how he can actually exercise his influence over the society. Yeah. But for Erdogan, um, his presence in Kosovo was profitable very much for himself and for his family as well. Well, like of course, yeah. Some of the privatization that happened, um, one of his sons, like members of his close family, like close relatives, are deeply involved with the companies that are. Um, in charge of our only airport that we have in the country, and they ha they have a monopoly on our uh, uh, power distribution companies that were massive and are massive in terms of profits they get. Well, Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, um, is not direct as directly involved as Erdogan himself. Erdogan came to Kosovo several times, and he would say and he would give statements in his speeches in front of thousands of people. Kosovo is Turkey, Turkey is Kosovo. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, personally, he is very much involved with Kosovo. While the Saudi officials never, as far as I remember, never visited the country. Not really. They also did not invest much in development projects other than... Except mos mosques. Mosques. Mostly Nothing mosques. else. And that is, in and of itself, it would limit, yeah. has, has limited and will continue to limit their extent of their influence in, yeah. in, in the area. The, the Saudi influence happened all voluntarily from those young people that went to Saudi Arabia to study yeah. on religious yeah. issues, came back with a ton of money and uh, started courses. And this is something that happened very much right after the war in times of chaos, when you don't really have regulations, when you don't have someone who has the upper hand and controlling the country in, in, in strictest terms. And you would have courses on English language. But in fact, those who send their children to study yeah. English for free or learn how to use the computer for free on the on the side, they would learn how to read Quran in Arabic, and they would learn the very extreme version of interpretation that are uh, a way of life in Saudi Arabia, which are diametrically different from the way yeah. we knew yeah. Islam before. Let me go back to something you said at the very beginning, and you said it's it's a probably too late. So you say it's too late as far as the the drastic, dramatic change that has been take, has taken place in Kosovo because of the emergence of the Islamic extremism mm. in the country. So when you say it's too late, what does it really mean from your perspective? From my perspective, it means that the one who are usually seen as the future of the country, the youth, have been poisoned with ideas that has made them in some sort of beasts that hate each and everything that is slightly different from these views that they were taught about life, about how to treat your neighbor, about how to treat women, about how to treat the LGBTQI community, about this this idea that they have have been raised with and now that has been cemented in their brains very deep this desire that I have, con I am convinced now that this is my way of living, that Islam is my way of living, and I have to come to you and tell you this is this is going to be your way of living as well. We never had before this way of. So, are you, are you suggesting then that that's really the future of Kosovo is totally bleak, and that I'm not saying that. Listen, no, no, I'm, I, I want be, to understand from your perspective. I might be. <clears throat> 
quite upset with the way things happened because I was uh, investigating and trying to figure out what is really happening, uh, happening, what is the cause and where this is going. And by speaking, by being outspoken and by putting myself in danger, by putting my family in danger, I really believe that by doing this, by being vocal about these issues, people at the end of the day and those running our country would finally figure out there's a lot at stake, it's our future at stake, and something will happen. To, to the best of my knowledge, nothing positive happens. I left the country because for me, it was impossible to stay there. I would have people going to visit my parents' house and say, we will set your house uh, uh, in fire with you in it. And yeah. maybe when I give these very pessimistic views to you, maybe that's also a little bit of certain anger and disappointment, you know, anger mixed with disappointment about things because we never expected this to happen in the first place. I mean, I had Christian uh, uh, children in the same class with me. We went to the same school together. Yeah. My mom worked in education as an Albanian language teacher for 42 years. We, I come from a town where we have entire villages that are uh, inhabited by Albanian Catholics. We never had not even remotely any problem or any incidents happening because of religion. There are people who are working very hard to change that, and to some extent, they manage to change that. But now, when you when you are, I'm sure you you're following events in, in Kosovo, what's going on, and uh, yes, I understand that because of your experience, you probably are angry, frustrated, and so you are sort of um, feel that it's probably it's too late, albeit young, it's not too late for change if there is the kind of the popular um, emergence of some kind of, of new voices and say, we are not going to take it sitting down. Do you think there is such a prospect that somewhere from somehow some kind of such a group might emerge from the academic community, from the business community, or a combination of the two, and say, we are not going to take it anymore? Kosovo was, did not seek independence only to become subjugated to, to Turkish or Saudi whims. Do you see such a prospect? There's always a possibility for positive change. But where change. would that come from? Um, that would have to come from, from those... Listen, we are a country that gave, um, if you calculate it per capita, the highest number of volunteers for ISIS or al-Nusra, the, the al-Qaeda's branch yeah, in Syria. Yeah. And... Um, this didn't happen overnight. There were people who worked with the youth to convince them to give their life in their in their country, to give up on their families, travel on their own, volunteer, volunteering to, to become a member of some of the one of the most notorious terrorist organizations that ever existed in in, in the world. Who who did this? Now there was a process of you know arresting a few imams and arresting a few. Uh, religious leaders, and they went in front of the court of law in order to, you know, um, see how responsible and how far that influence happened. All of these people have been set free. All of these people have been acquitted of all charges. So basically now we have to say that we are living at a time when somehow 300-something uh, Kosovar young men and women one night they were all sane and, 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 and okay, and the next day they woke up and they became a terrorist without anyone influencing uh, on this. So my point is, 
that those who run the politics in the country, we are a very small country, it's not very difficult to run a country like Kosovo. Everybody knows everybody. And in a situation like that, if you are running the country, you have to deal with these very sensitive yeah. issues as well, yeah. despite the fact that over 90% of the population are Muslims. Yeah. By constitution, we are a secular country, which means that by law, we have to keep religion apart, separated, separated yeah, from the from political decision-making. Yeah. There is uh, an intensive attempt to change this, that this is wrong, this has brought only corruption. No, it... Corruption uh, uh, happens everywhere in the world. It's not something that there is no country in the world that's that can say they are clean one hundred percent from but corruption. Then, but then, but then, something is going to have to take place. In a recent piece, Arbana <coughs> and myself wrote together, yeah. the suggestion was that um, uh, that if the EU, as as you know, the EU, the European Union has obviously stake security and otherwise in what's going on in the Balkans. And given what you are saying, and I, I agree with you, that uh, if we leave to matters the way they are, things can get only worse because yeah. they are not today, as le at least for the time being, there is no uh, political body or a civilian um, entity or group that is going to rise and say, we're not going to take it anymore. That's not happening. So the change may have may, may well have to come from from the outside, and the only the only party that can make that happen is the EU. Do you agree with this proposition? I I don't agree with that because I think it's wrong to expect others to come and change and make you better. Because I mean, at the end of the no, day, no, I'm not saying that is <coughs> that's how it's going to happen. What yeah. I'm asking, what I'm suggesting to you, if you don't feel today that there are any significant group within Kosovo, be that political, business, academic, whatever, or combination, that is going to be willing to be stand out, standing out and say, we are not going to continue with this. There's some kind of, say, uh, national movement of sorts. There was a movement like that. I was part of it. A journalist made most of that group, the one who went on TV I, in front but of my people. Point, my point is this. If this doesn't exist today, you are a movement and it was been stifled. Today, do you see there is no prospect for serious opposition coming from the masses, is there? No, unfortunately. Okay, if that is, doesn't exist, if Turkey continue to, to exert this type of influence, increasingly so, uh, and Saudi Arabia, its own ways, continue also to, to do its, its share, yeah. what's the prospect then? That Kosovo will change any time. And what <sighs> what is very... going to? But, the, but that's the point I want to delve into a little bit. What who's gonna where the change is gonna come from, and who is going to be the party or parties who are going to bring this about? Unfortunately, the one that are currently in power, as as I said earlier, are either too corrupt or way too much. Too, too too deep into criminality that there's nothing that can be expected, nothing positive from them. But there is also something very unfortunate that happens in the Kosovo politics as well. The main political, the main opposition party, uh, which is supposed to play that part that probably you're talking about, the nationalism part or the patriotic part of it. Like, let's stand up and say our 
ethnic or national identity is at play because all of a sudden now we are trying to become more Muslim, which was not the case historically speaking for Albanians. For you to be Albanian, you don't have to be Muslim. So what's the opposition party doing? The, the opposition party is flirting as much as they can with radicalism as well because in a country... Radical that is, Islam. Yeah, yeah, they are like... The, the paradox with Vedvendosia, which is the strongest and the most active opposition party in Kosovo, is that it is a socialist party with a president, a chairman, which is probably a staunch socialist, and some even say he is a staunch communist uh, a politician as well, who runs a party predominantly with very pious Muslim believers. Okay, so, so <clears throat> here you go. The opposition party is not a viable force to make a significant change. <clears throat> the civil society is not there to, to, uh, to do the kind of changes necessary. The government is totally corrupt. Uh, terrible influence coming from Saudi Arabia, especially Turkey, however. So where is this change going to come from? Well, that's a very good question, and I don't know what to give you as an answer right now. As I said, I might be a bit too um, uh, disappointed to have any positive view on the future of my country. No, no, aside from your feelings and your <clears throat> views, I mean, you, you know Kosovo better than I do, needless yes. to say. Uh, you're born there, you're out there, you know the scene much better. My, my question to you is, should we then fold the shop and say, Kosovo is dead? Is gone, is gone, and it's not going to be revived as as a as an independent secular state, or there's a hope, and where this hope is going to come from? Given what you are saying, there is no hope. There is a hope amongst the population there with a newly found. Now, some people call it special tribunal on war crimes, which is situated in the Netherlands in the Hague. It's part of the Kosovo uh, legal system, but it operates outside the country because it's too dangerous to deal with war crimes, um, the alleged war crimes committed by former Kosovo Liberation Army. And many people, and many Albanians, they don't necessarily agree that KLA committed such acts of crimes or crimes against humanity, especially compared to the one that happened with the orders from Belgrade. But they are happy with the existence of that specialized chamber, or as we call it, you know, uh, a special tribunal on war crimes in Kosovo, because that is supposed to clean the political elite. But but you know, but you know from your experience, <laughs> I know from my experience. It yes, happen. courts, justice have some kind of some influence, but only to a certain extent. That is, you cannot change the trend of a political system in any country only because the judges be that wherever they sit, are going to pass kind of judgment against these criminals in the government or outside the government. This will have sort of a moment of reckoning here and there, but the truth is they will not be able to affect the change that we're talking about that is absolutely necessary to, to free Kosovo from the, the, the crutches or whatever of, of Turkey. Yeah. Th that's an, and Saudi Arabia. S so for someone like you, I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, for me, when it comes to human rights, freedom, independent, fair press, that's, that's the food I eat, that's the air I breathe, that's how I live. Yeah. That's what I live for, yeah. uh, to be very honest with you, that's what I do. Yeah. And I do this for any gratification, I do this because I believe that. So to me, what's happening in Kosovo matters to me, yeah. not, not because 
I know necessarily because of as much as I, as I should know, but because I know based on what you're saying, based on my investigation, by my research, my writing. So to me, what's happening there is totally unacceptable. Yeah. So if I were to write a piece today, and the last, last piece we wrote, we say, okay, the EU has a, has a security interest in the Balkans, and they should be getting more involved, and they should be investing more. And they should be, you know, encouraging the government and civil society to, to take. Would is there any other yeah. option? Is there any because if you from within, you're saying the likelihood is nothing is going to change. I wish I could tell you something better than that. But uh, speaking of the EU, they have that they are things that you can blame on them as well because it's not like they didn't invest on Kosovo or they didn't like they give 50 million euros a year to uh, sponsor the costliest mission they have ever founded the EULEX which is predominantly concentrated on rule of law and I know you don't want to talk about uh, prosecutors and judges and stuff you want to talk no, no, about no. someone that yeah. you know stands up from either the you know the intellectual part of the society or someone who is actively uh, you know trying to persuade positive change in the country you know in order for you to do that that is a very selfless act but there is a selfless selfless act that should lead to some change now it's not like people in kosovo haven't tried to bring to to influence that kind of a change but it brought nothing but pain and misery to those individuals because there is nothing that functions properly. Well, again, but again, look, <coughs> the, the, the point is this, because yes, the EU is investing. And, and again, in this last piece, what, what we're saying, you know, there, there has to be conditional. We will put more, more, we'll give you more money for project development, pro economic development project, sustainable project. If you begin to, to take these corrective steps in terms of, uh, you know, human rights, uh, you know, reverting Kosovo back to become a truly secular state. Yeah. Religious uh, state and, and, and government ought to be separated and all of that. But other than, than the EU, based on what you are saying, I'm going back to the point. I'm trying to find a way. Is there any way we, you as a journalist, I am and someone else can come and suggest, okay, this is what can be done, should be done. Uh, well, the fight should continue. I'm not saying that people should give up. I mean, uh, but who's going to do the? Who should be doing the fight? Where are they? They should be found. Um, listen, the the courage amongst the people. I'm not challenging is, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying, I know. Uh, yeah. I know what your. I know yeah. your point. Uh, and uh, you know, things don't happen overnight. Probably that's the best thing that I can say. But do you point. see seeds? Do you see some kind of seeds that is potentially will grow to? present this kind of opposition to what's going on. Are, are there such seeds to you? Because you, you know better than I do. Are they Listen, I, I said, amongst the population, you, you cannot find a large number of people that support this way of thinking, that support these, you know, this rise on, you know, religious um, views, seeing life so much different, living life so much different, separating women what's from going men. To take, what's going to take to galvanize them, to a force? I wish I knew. Unfortunately, right now, people are desperate because um, this is the most isolated country in the Balkans. People in Kosovo still cannot travel freely, except for like select few countries surrounding Kosovo, Albania, Montenegro, Macedonia, Turkey. You can go to Turkey without a visa, but you cannot go to any of the Western countries. It's the most 
isolated country in, in Europe. It is the poorest country in the European continent. And in a situation like this, when you don't have these incentives, you know, what people see that, yeah, I can probably risk to some extent my well-being for the moment, but then I know that things are going to change. They have lost that belief, unfortunately. They have lost... Um, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel, if you, if, if I can put it like that, they have lost it. I have lost it, unfortunately. I don't see that those seeds that you are talking could lead into a bloom of something really strong. So basically, and, basically I was saying, again, I'm not putting the blame on yeah. you. I'm just, <laughs> we said of having this just, basically you're saying is that there is really no hope as things stand today. And when, I'm when not trying to give you like conflicting statements and say that that's probably a bit too far because there is always probably maybe it's just the will and because I come from there I was born and raised there and no, I wish I'm it well. No, I'm trying to pin down if they, from your perspective. I mean, you cannot but, invent. But you, you met you a lot know. of people from my country. Do you see anyone that would have the capacity and that would have the courage? to get these people together. No, no, I personally don't. And I'm not being, uh, you know, inquisitive or harsh. I'm, not, I'm really soliciting... No, this is a conversation. So, I understand Soliciting an views because you're from there, certainly have better yeah. sense and feeling than I do. There's no question about that. That's why I'm asking you. Because, uh, you see, I've been dealing with other conflicts. Uh, yeah. Israeli, Palestinian, name it, all of that. Yeah. And people after 40, 35 years and dealing with this conflict, I still believe and I still push for peace and this and this. And where, where, where do you get this kind of patience? Yeah. I, as a person, don't believe that all conflict has to have a solution. They have a solution. It may take 100 years, yeah. but they have a solution. But here, there is no discernible conflict in, in, in Kosovo itself. So you can say, well, this is the conflict. Because the government is working closely with Turkey. They don't see conflict. They are benefiting from Turkish involvement. Yeah. From monetarily, uh, in, any, in every which way they can. You know, politically they are benefiting. Socially they are benefiting. So there is no conflict to be resolved and say, well, this is the problem that's solved. But we also know from your perspective, as you see it, which is correctly so, the, the situation in Kosovo continue to deteriorate yeah. and is deteriorating to a point there may be a point of no return. Do you, is that, do you feel that maybe? We have had a change on uh, the values. No, um, because before we used to be idealistic. When I started, the reason why that got me into journalism was this idea that you have to go out and you have to bring out stuff on the surface and you have to make everybody know about the problems, no matter how shameful or embarrassing they are, because once you do that, you see what the problem is and you deal with it. Now it's the other way around. Now those who are uh, corrupt, now those who are radical, those are seen as the new heroes of the society. Mm -hmm. You know, this. there's a saying, they're all, he is stealing money as much as he can and he's getting away with it, like with some sort of an admiration for that kind of a character. You know, he's doing all of this. He's been in power for all these years. He's been a, a minister, no matter who was uh, a, a appointed as prime minister of the country. 
he made millions, he has all these mansions, something that he cannot ju or, or she cannot justify anyway with the salary they receive, and yet he is getting away with it. This is the view, and this is not only Kosovo, unfortunately. You get the same way of living life now in general in Albania, in Macedonia, in Serbia. I mean, look at who's running all these countries. Kosovo is run by the same people for more than 10 years, give or take. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Serbia is run by the same people that were actively participants on one of the most criminal regimes that the European continent ever saw. Mm -hmm. We have a president there that was a member of a radical party who literally was named Radical Party, a man who is known for a statement, for every Serb killed, we have to kill 20 people from Bosnia. And the foreign minister, the the one in charge of the Serbian diplomacy right now, it's Ivica Dacic, he's a man who was Slobodan Milosevic's spokesperson. So basically, as we say, Goebbels of the Butcher of the Balkans. Um, all these countries are suffering from this a uh, very desperate situation when somehow it feels that people have just given up because whoever tried, they failed. Whoever tried got only himself or herself into trouble, either had to leave the country or suffer a lot of consequences, and change didn't happen. So well, I a, wish I could uh, tell you something no. different. No, no. The I'm, situation uh, is just dire I'm and not, it's really desperate. Uh, no, no, of course. I'm not trying to squeeze something that... Um, yeah. For any reason other than, um, as I said, I come from a pers different perspective and says I will not, I don't give up. Maybe I'm just an uh, obstinate man. <laughs> 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 but my 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 point is that um, uh, you not being here, um, and you're not you know, you're not gonna go back to Kosovo for a good reason. Yeah, you can't actually. No. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, what stops you now from preaching, uh, from continuing your, your fight? This is on a personal level. Well, it's it's not. It hasn't been a very long time that I came to this country, and you uh -huh. know, when you go to a new country, yeah, yeah, there are yeah. a lot of things that you have yeah. in mind. It's uh -huh. not. This doesn't necessarily mean that I have given up for good. Uh -huh. The idea of preaching, as you say, or writing and trying to, you know, to use your space, whatever that is, in order to influence any change in, in the country. But we are in a situation we are today. Uh, I know that from the perspective of someone who comes from a well-developed and, and a functioning democracy like this country, from your perspective, it's difficult and impossible to accept the idea that things are so desperate that you see no change in it. Yeah. But Given our history, I mean, when you look back at the history of the Balkans, what was there except conflict and desperation and poverty? And that is one of the key reasons that also led to this change, because you get a lot of young people that say, I know that my parents were poor. I know that my grandparents were poor. They were honest people. They didn't go with what the certain imam said or what turkey said or all these you know historical connections would say or whatever they represent no and they all died very poor they all lived a desperate life i want to improve my own personal life uh and if these powers from outside the country you mentioned turkey and saudi arabia it's not only these two it's qatar it's yeah, the yeah, emirates yeah. you have all these sheikhs coming from uh very wealthy countries with a lot of money and they're willing to give money to whoever is listening to them and whoever is ready to do their you know whatever they're they bidding. want yeah they're bidding. there's no question and 
these youngsters would say, I don't want my life to end the way so many generations before me and my family went what's through. The, what's the option? What, what options do they have today? It's, it's none. What, 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 what is the option if you cannot even travel outside your country? Well, that's, the that's the problem. You know, um, Listen, uh, when it comes to EU, for instance, and I keep mentioning isolation, there's another thing, the EU integration becoming a member of the EU. I'm not the greatest supporter of that idea because Kosovo doesn't have the capacity because, you know, what is a European Union country? They have to uh, comply with the same rules that Germany uh, the str- the third or fourth strongest economy in the world uh, complies with. You have to, you know, you have to come to some sort of a same level with economies and 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 very functioning no, countries uh, like these. What no, I think is economy and the, the democratic form of government. To me, one of the worst mistakes that, that European Union, that Brussels made towards Kosovo, is this isolation, this fear that from these 1.8 million people, if you tolerate them to travel outside. I wasn't born with these views. I wasn't grown up with these views. It took a lot of traveling. It took a lot of going outside my country and seeing my country from the perspective of a well-developed democracy and see, oh, how wrong we are. I didn't. I wasn't born all, you know, with a knowledge yeah, of but democracy you see, when and how you talk, beautiful when it you is. When you talk to the EU, some people will say, and I raise this question, and they will tell you, look, there's um, a situation with Kosovo. And like exactly what you mentioned, they keep repeating that, proportionately speaking, more people, you know, volunteers from Kosovo went to join ISIS yeah. than any other country. So they provide that kind of rationale why, why this. But what why led that. to to that? Uh, well, because again, these people saw no reason to. What what was left for them after all these years? Yeah, but but on the other hand, you can't blame the EU for that. That is, the EU is basically responding to reality, and I don't think that I personally don't think they're doing enough. To try to affect a change in in the in the in the in the Balkans specifically, not in, not in Kosovo. But you see, it, it depends on who you you talk about when you when you say European Union. Now you, we had this mission called EULEX. They were great judges and prosecutors in there who were willing to go to lengths that the local judges and prosecutors were not courageous enough or were you know were fearful to go to. But then you had the political part of the European Union that would put a stop to certain investigations that would probably help us a great deal clean our country, so to say, from these bad politics that we have. I mean, there are numerous occasions where investigations went quite well against powerful people in the country. But because some of these powerful people are very important for either the political dialogue between Kosovo and Serbia, the one, as they say, facilitated by the European Union, there were a lot of complaints from EU within EU saying we were trying to help Kosovo oh, yeah. get I mean, on look, into the right track. That. And then you would have the chief of EU foreign politics intervening and putting a stop to stuff that, you know, actually just damaged uh, us furthermore. Well, I know. If, if you're referring to Margarini, um, what's um, your position? Before that, before uh, Catherine that? Ashton. No, no, I, I know. Look, there's no uh, strong desire now by the EU to say, well, just come on, we will embrace you, no. and all of that. There are requirements, economic, social, political, uh, freedom, price, uh, human rights, all of this. Any member of the would-be member or aspiring member to the uh, to become of the EU will have to meet these standards yeah and uh, that's and I think Kosovo is far away 
way too uh, far. Way too far from meeting these standards. But there's one other point, you know, as far as change within the country, where this come from. One other point I want to mention to you is that that uh, citizen exiled, like it's now yourself, yeah, like many others, exiled. Well, actually, I'm thinking of the Iranian case, Iran Revolution. The, where this, where the revolution actually came from, it came from the uh, Iranian exile. Yeah. Now, what is the prospect of galvanizing, mobilizing these type of forces outside uh, Kosovo to um, to eventually have an effect, uh, impact the the internal domestic conditions in Kosovo? That I mean, it's not unprecedented. It happened. No, it happened, and it's um, it's a very nice, and to this point, I would say even probably a bit too romantic way of looking at uh, at that, because you have people that left the country because they were sick and tired with the change that didn't happen, even though they were really involved and they were trying to, you know, work for that change. But you also have a lot of people that are very supportive of this change to very secular into more or far more religious. There is a high number of threats that I would receive after a certain article or a view of mine that would be published that I received from the Albanian diaspora from the yeah, Western But now countries. you feel safe. I mean, don't you feel safer here? Of course. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I get threats all the time. So well, I totally ignore it and move on. I've been getting, I used to get more threats from Israelis, Palestinians, uh, yeah. all kind. And I just uh, ignore it. I'm sitting here, I do what I want to do. I become non grata in many countries. I cannot go. Yeah. For example, I have had very extensive relationship with the Turkish government. The, you know, Erdogan, Kalin, David, all of them. I knew them very, very well because we've had many reasons to. Yeah. Um, so now I cannot go to Turkey because of my writing against Turkey. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm looking, exploring. Uh, basically, what I'm trying to do is exploring uh, who can affect a, ch a change in, in Kosovo if it's not domestic, if it's not foreign, if it's not uh, exiled Kosovo, where this is going to come from. I love uh, your insistence on that because <laughs> that is exactly what we need. Well, and I totally agree with you. Yeah. That is... Because, as you said, then you just can close the shop. You can just put like a lot. And then this is my point. I'm not prepared to close the shop, no. even on Kosovo. And we shouldn't. And then I we know. should. I shouldn't. And so you have now an assignment. You gotta go out. <laughs> yeah. And fight. <laughs> yeah. Listen, fight. Uh, no matter what stage in life you are, you do know. Like I've done this for like 20 years almost, and I know people who have done more than me, far more than me, for 15, 20, or 30 years probably. I mean, we survived one of the most criminal regimes uh, yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that committed the first genocide in the Balkan in Europe since the uh, end of uh, World War Two. Um, and we're still going, we're still, you know, we're still there. And now we are compared to that time when we couldn't go to school, when we couldn't yeah. speak our language freely. Um, of course, we live better, way better compared to that. But the level of disappointment in, in me and in so many other people is much higher now because the expectation after 1999 was so high. was very high. We uh, wanted and yeah. we thought now that we got rid of this problem called yeah. Belgrade and Milosevic and whatever, now nothing can stop us. And 
actually it, it was right. That's the truth. Nothing should have stopped us but to you're move being, ahead. But you're being stopped. I want to just ask you one more question about the conflict with, with Serbia. Uh, well, you know, Serbia still refused to recognize Kosovo. And this is one of the reasons, talking about your membership, that you will not get involved with Serbia or even Kosovo unless that issue is being resolved. Same thing with Macedonia. Yeah. Unless the, change, the name had to be changed and accepted, etc. Yeah. The, but to resolve, to resolve the Bosnian, um, the Serbian um, and Kosovo. Kosovo's conflict, uh, at one point I raised the question of, of land swap of sort. Um, under certain circumstances, and I equate that to the Israeli Palestinian conflict, because it's a Jerusalem. Neither side going to push the other party outside Jerusalem. They're, they're there, stuck. They have to coexist. Mm -hmm. Same thing with certain areas uh, of Kosovo, where Bosnian is a strong uh, Serbian presence. Communities, big communities, mostly Serbians, yeah. within Kosovo itself. And and uh, again, I floated the idea. Okay, we, you know, it, it can have a political borders. They could continue to live the way they are living today, but there is just a political border. You don't have walls, you don't have barriers, you don't have any of this. Where do you think, where is the solution from your Do you see a solution? Personally, I wouldn't, because I know that so many people, when the land sw or territorial swap or change of borders, you name it, because, you know, there's also discussions on how to call it. Some would say it's just redrawing of borders, some would say territorial swap. Uh, personally, I wouldn't be against any solution that brings final peace because right now we are still, we are not fighting and killing each other. We're basically at war yet because there is no normal relationship. But what is the, the likely, most likely scenario you think can I take wouldn't place, can want happen. this solution to be put to an end for good by these two governments, by these two political elites. What, that we what have. do you think the basis should be for a solution? Well, the basis is already there. It has been established. We have to be multi-ethnic societies. We have to live in a country where each and every one's citizens and each and every one's group Yeah, but that are, means basically you're saying uh, Serbia must recognize Kosovo, period, and then work well as But before as we go to Serbia, first of all, you need to make Kosovo. And Kosovo is not... Is not finalized as a, as a state. You know, it's not a very functioning country. It does exist in the paper. In written paper, the constitution and the laws might be really beautiful and most of them are really nice, but you need people to implement them in order to build first a country that would go into a relationship with the rest of the world. It's still a country that is recognized by half of the world. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still a, not it's, a member yeah, of the uh, United yeah. Nations. So, yeah. and to be honest, I don't expect any good solution coming from the political elites in both countries uh, at the moment, because these are not people that think very far into let's create a solution that would be good for both of us. You shouldn't. Yeah. You cannot expect this from either the the people sitting in Pristina or the one in Belgrade, because they they are not interested for that. They either have a background which is you know, soaked in blood of innocent people because they were active participants into a, you know, with a criminal regime that committed a lot of crimes and caused a lot of suffering against not one, but three different nations, the Croats, the Bosniaks, and the Kosovo Albanians. And in Kosovo, we have people that are basically criminals. Yeah. 
yeah. running the country. Yeah. So expecting a final peaceful solution that would lead towards the better from these two governments is futile. It's, it's, it's you know, it's and not... I, and you, I look, I, I think it's terribly sad, and I agree with you. I'm not saying I, I'm yeah. disagreeing. I merely raise these questions because, um, you know, it's a sort of a catch-22. Yeah. Where do you start? If you don't change the dynamic, political dynamics within Kosovo itself, within the Serbian gov government and get leaders who are open-minded, willing, able, want to cooperate, want to, then that's not going to happen. And so we're probably going to have, they have to live with this conflict for years, I don't know, yeah. perhaps even decades to come. Unfortunately, yeah. for the moment, it looks pretty grim. Um, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be, uh, how to put it the right way, I, I'm not unhappy even if the territorial swap would happen because then if it come if that leads towards the rec mutual recognition of Kosovo and Serbia because this seems to be there seems to be some sort of a an agreement between both presidents in Kosovo and Serbia if we come to that Serbia gets something out of Kosovo and then it's easier for the regime there to recognize Kosovo everybody seems to win um I wouldn't be unhappy with this, but that also leads to the idea that we are giving up for good that Albanians and Serbs can live in the same state together. Because if you do this, this actually means that you give a piece of territory, that piece in the northern, the most northern part of Kosovo, which is predominantly Serbian, like 99 or more than 99% of the population are Serbian, and you give that to Serbia, so you're getting rid of that big no, problem. No, 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 I Kosovo. agree with you. I actually, when I say land swap, actually, um, like I've been advocating between Israelis and the Palestinians, it's yeah. really the border is merely political border. Not, no, you can still go from one place to the next without any, <clears throat> you won't even know the difference. Only on maps it exists which means we'll meet what you consider to be, which I think is very important, that people should be able to live together, should yeah. coexist. But in order to find a solution, if creating a, a line on the map yeah. could bring about this type of a solution, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, so yes, theoretically it's requiring a land swap, but it is not done by build, building walls and yeah. fences of, of any kind. It's merely a way by which to reconcile the two of them. Uh, this could meet the Serbian needs for to satisfy their needs, and the Kosovo, Kosovo also will have, will be able to. But in order, in order to come to that, a lot of things needs to happen yeah, first. I, I agree. I agree. You know, we can talk about this for a long, for more, for hours. Yeah. <laughs> I want to really thank you so much for taking thank the time. Thank you very time, much. Really. It was very nice talking I, to you. I appreciate your input very much. Uh, thank you. I mean, I deliberately want to get you to... <laughs> you, you fired me up for a bit. <laughs> well, that's the whole idea. I wanted to do that. Yes. Because I wanted you to, to really express how you feel about it. Yeah. Uh, it's not like I'm disagreeing with you. No. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.